I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to examine the foundations of our faith, to explore the implications of faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, tomorrow's Father's Day. And so today we're going to be talking about authentic fatherhood and how to create a Catholic identity in your home. Now, uh, if you uh, are looking for something to give your dad or if you really want something to to really improve your own fatherhood, uh, we're giving away a book in our fourth segment today called Father of the Family by Clayton Barbeau. And this is really a classic on, on Catholic spirituality for fathers. Uh, it was initially released in 1971, but this has gone through some, uh, some changes and some corrections by the author and has been re-released, and it's something you're going to want to get your hands on. So stay tuned, listen through all the interviews, listen through to the, uh, the fourth segment, and we will do our best to get that out to you. Now, you can join this conversation on fatherhood by joining us on social media facebook.com slash step outside the walls our twitter handle is at outside the walls and of course our blog is at outside the walls.com there is a theme there you know it, it just uh, they all sound the same because you're listening to outside the walls with timothy putnam uh we say that many times during the show just in case you you missed it uh, so uh we're going to open today in prayer and that prayer comes from the breviary from the common for holy men uh, and it's something that uh, when there is a feast day for for a, a man who uh, does not have his own separate liturgy, his own separate uh, prayers, then you go to the Common for Holy Men and you can pray these prayers. Uh, and so we're going to use the prayers from that today and then uh, we'll do our readings from today, the 20th, and then we will do a reading from church history uh, based on this very important topic. So let us pray together. Let us praise Christ, asking to serve him and to be holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. Let us acclaim, Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You have desired to experience everything we experience but sin. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You called us to love perfectly. Make us holy, Lord Jesus. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You commissioned us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let your light shine on us, Lord Jesus. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You desire to serve, not to be served. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give humble service to you and to our neighbors. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You are in the form of God, sharing in the splendor of the Father. Lord Jesus, let us see the glory of your face. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ever-living God, the signs of your love are manifest in the honor you give your saints. May their prayers and their example encourage us to follow your Son more faithfully. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. 
Amen. Today's first reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Brothers and sisters, I must boast. Not that it is profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to the third heaven. And I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard ineffable things, which no one may utter. About this man I will boast, but about myself I will not boast, except about my weaknesses. Although, if I should wish to boast, I would not be foolish, for I would be telling the truth. But I refrain, so that no one may think of me more than what he sees in me or hears from me, because of the abundance of the revelations. Therefore, that I might not become too elated, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses, in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 34. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Blessed the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for naught is lacking to those who fear him. They, the great grow poor and hungry, but those who seek the Lord want for no good thing. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Come, children, hear me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and takes delight in prosperous days? Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The Gospel today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. This comes right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said to his disciples, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin. But I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what are we to drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own evil. That gospel comes from Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to do our reading from church history, which actually comes from uh, the breviary from this coming Tuesday. Uh, It's on a treatise on Christian perfection by St. Gregory of Nyssa. And actually, if you you start on Monday, uh, that's the beginning of it, and then it goes on into this reading from Tuesday. But the Tuesday reading fits better what we want to do. Uh, If you have a breviary, you can turn to that and follow along. If not, you can get uh, these readings on divineoffice.org. Or if you've got a smartphone, there's a a wonderful app called iBreviary. And you can get that on, on, I think, every platform that's out there for smartphone. Uh, And then when we're done with this reading, I'm going to jump back and I'm going to look a little bit and tell you a story uh, of how that passage of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount has profoundly impacted my own life. Uh, But before we get there, let's go ahead and start with our reading. This is from St. Gregory of Nyssa, a treatise on Christian perfection. The life of the Christian has three distinguishing aspects, deeds, words, and thought. Thought comes first, then words, since our words express openly the interior conclusions of the mind. Finally, after thoughts and words, comes action, for our deeds carry out what the mind has conceived— So, when one of these results in our acting or speaking or thinking, we must make sure that all our thoughts, words, and deeds are controlled by the divine ideal, the revelation of Christ. For then our thoughts, words, and deeds will not fall short of the nobility of their implications. What then must we do, we who have been found worthy of the name of Christ? Each of us must examine his thoughts, words, and deeds to see whether they are directed toward Christ or are turned away from him. This examination is carried out in various ways. Our deeds or our thoughts or our words are not in harmony with Christ if they issue from passion. They then bear the mark of the enemy who smears the pearl of the heart with the slime of passion, dimming and even destroying the luster of the precious stone. On the other hand, if they are free and untainted by every passionate inclination, they are directed toward Christ, the author and source of peace. He is like a pure, untainted stream. If you draw from him the thoughts in your mind and the inclinations of your heart, you will show a likeness to Christ, your source and origin, as the gleaming water in a jar resembles the flowing water from which it was obtained. For the purity of Christ and the purity that is manifest in our hearts are identical. Christ's purity, however, is the fountainhead. Ours has its source in him and flows out of him. Our life is stamped with the beauty of his thought. The inner and outer man are harmonized in a kind of music. The mind of Christ is the controlling influence that inspires us to moderation and goodness in our behavior. As I see it, Christian perfection consists in this, sharing the titles which express the meaning of Christ's name. We bring out this meaning in our minds, our prayers, and our way of life. That reading is from a treatise on Christian perfection by St. Gregory of Nyssa. Now, 
before we go to our break, I want to talk to you a little bit. Go back to uh, the gospel. And I, I recall a time in my life between college and seminary. Uh, I went to a Protestant seminary. I was uh, Protestant at the time. And in between there, I was out uh, helping my parents at their house, and I was mowing the lawn, which is not my favorite thing to do. Uh, And I don't know that I was particularly looking uh, for meditation or for time spent with God, but somehow in the midst of that that work, uh, God came to me and we had a conversation. And probably one of the most striking conversations I've ever had in prayer with God. Uh, And I was worried about, uh, about how I was going to pay for graduate school coming up. And I remember very clearly he came to me and said, uh, as I was pushing the lawnmower up a hill, he said, uh, it's not your job. It's not your job uh, to provide. It, it's my job to provide. And, and your job is also not your provider. I am your provider. And sometimes I use a job to do that, and sometimes I don't. And so I began to have a conversation with him, and, and he gave me specifically, for me, things that he wanted me to do uh, as, a, as an exercise to let go of the stress and anxiety that I was holding on to in that way. And, and from that point, uh, that has sustained me because I've, I've gone through periods of unemployment where I was worried about how uh, or wanted to be worried about how things were going to get paid for. But he brings me back to that conversation. And so then I seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, and all of these things have been added. It's so easy to seek after other things, to seek after acclaim or to seek after leisure or to seek after uh, success. And, and Christ says, no, seek after me and I will take care of the rest. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And I think that this is something essential for a father to know, that God is the source of us all. He is the father by whom our fatherhood is known. And our fatherhood must resemble Christ in the way that the water in a jar resembles the flowing water. What a powerful encouragement for us fathers today. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Deacon Kevin Tulipana uh, of Holy Family Cathedral here in Tulsa about authentic fatherhood and creating a Catholic identity in your home. Stick around. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking about fatherhood, authentic fatherhood. And we're talking today with Deacon Kevin Tulipana. Uh, He is a deacon at Holy Family Cathedral. He's also a hospitaler, a doctor at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, uh, and is also a father of eight uh, and I'm sure you've gotten the, the lines. You know what causes that, right? Of course. Of yeah. Course. yeah we, we, I, I recently heard Jim Gaffigan say, yeah, I know. Jesus. Jesus causes that. I'm like, yeah, I like that line. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's better. That's uh, better than what I usually come up with. <laughs> my, mine uh, generally is, yeah, and we like it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I usually say, well, we're actually pretty effective, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, Deacon, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So we, we want to talk today about authentic fatherhood. And this is something I think society is really missing. And uh, I've heard various uh, explanations of, of why fatherhood seems to be so absent in our culture. 
Uh, one of them that I've heard often and, and personally subscribe to is that the Industrial Revolution, which took uh, fathers out of their homes, away from their children, where before industry had really largely been done as a family, and then now all of a sudden we're removing fathers and we're sending them to the factory to to cause uh the majority of their work. And so one, their children no longer see them, nor do they see what the work is. Uh, And so the family no longer participates uh, as a whole in the way that, uh, that the family supports society. Uh, You know, I don't know if that's, if that's the sole cause, you know, generally these things are are more complex. Uh, But what I do know is that now we're in a place where fatherhood is largely seen as uh, dad goes to work. Dad yeah. comes home, dad is exhausted, and maybe spends uh, a little bit of time with with his children. There was a, a study recently, uh, I say recently, maybe in the last 15 years, uh, that said that fathers spend an average of 30 seconds a day in one-on-one conversation with their children, where it's not discipline and it's not sitting in the same room together. Wow. And that's that's disturbing that's disturbing that's yeah. significant that's a significant problem and so you are exceptionally busy i mean you are uh, a, a doctor yeah. uh, working very long hours uh, and you're also a deacon which requires a great amount of time uh, and being at the service of the church and then you're a father of eight which is more than than uh, most people would typically think of in our society sure sure so how do you balance all of that? You know, it's it's not it's not super easy, uh, <clears throat> but it has taken refocusing on on what things are important mm-hmm. in in our life. And I will say that as a as a hospitalist, I've been given a, a really a good gift in that we're able to define our schedule in such a way that that it's understood within my family that when I'm working, I am at work, and and unfortunately, I am not able to spend as much time with my family. However, we do it in chunks of time. Um, so I you know, work a week and then I'm off a week, so I'm present to the family for that entire week. Mm-hmm. So I really try to focus that on um, being there at the home. Now often that time is also fulfilled with doing those things at the home that traditionally fathers would be used to doing, mending fences we live in the country, you know, yeah. taking care of, of the animals that are there and, and trying to train the children and see and, and let the children experience and see that you know, when something's broken, we just don't throw it away. We actually want to fix it so that hopefully that instills some, some values that they may not get in other, in other places. Um, it it is difficult to balance and at times you feel kind of pulled away, but I would say that one of the first things you have to learn how to do as a father, especially a father of many is, is to say, I can't do that right now to outside forces. Mm -hmm. Um, there are so many other things that I could be involved in that, uh, that would pull my attention away from the family that, that I have to say no to. And I'm still learning my role as a deacon of the church. I was just ordained a year ago, but you know, I've made it um, pretty clear that, that, that I am here to serve the church. Yes. But my first vocation is still as a father at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. And so my, my work, my being a physician is also a vocation, but, but I have to learn and I've learned through time through the last 15 years of how to kind of work that into the family life. Uh, but I do, I, I do see your point as far as the industrial revolution and how people have really pulled away from the family. 
mean, I long for the time. It would be wonderful to be able to just be at home and, and, uh, raise animals and be sustained on that and have a Mm -hmm. trade that would be taken care of. It would be beautiful to have a small clinic at the house and have people come to it and take care of them there. But unfortunately the reality has changed. Mm -hmm. So we have to adapt to that as well. Yeah. You know, in our previous segment, just right before you came on, we talked uh, about, we, we read the gospel where out of the Sermon on the Mount where Christ says, you can't serve two masters. Uh, you either love one and, and uh, hate the other or serve the one and despise the other. Yeah. Uh, you can't serve both God and mammon. And that's traditionally been viewed as uh, wealth. Right. That's been what mammon was in that culture and in that context. And people wrongly say money. Really, it's not money. It's it's wealth. Uh, but I think that the the principle is true regardless of what else it is. And so I do think that we still see in our in our current uh, setting, we still see people who serve wealth, who uh, they do whatever they can to bring about the good of wealth rather than do whatever they can to bring about the goodness of the kingdom. Right. But I think that we have a, a number of other gods as well uh, in our culture. Sure. We've we've got uh, this new god called technology, right? That we do all that we can to dedicate ourselves and to to turn our faces toward uh, the service of technology. Mm-hmm. So when we're at the dinner table, uh, and you know, I go out to restaurants periodically, not often because I myself have five children, right? But periodically, I go out to a restaurant, and you'll see a whole table full of grown adults in uh, very close proximity to one another, sitting at the same table, staring at their phones. Yeah. Uh, and so, th- the question is, who are we going to serve? Uh, you know, I had a, a a youth pastor way back in the day who had this phrase I loved. He said, "If you always do what you've always done." You'll always get what you've always got. And we have a whole society of people who are continuing to do things that uh, with and adding things on, you know, we, we follow the example of our parents and then we kind of tweak it, but we never really look at what, what's the right way to be doing this. Mm. Uh, and we've added so much technology and so much noise yes. in our society that I think it's really taken away from the ability for men to be fathers. I think it has, you know, and, and, and that noise is distraction and that distraction separates relation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I think relationships are, are extraordinarily important, not only between adults, but between the adult and, the, and, the, and the, your children. Um, you know, to be a father, it's it's much more important to be present and to get down on their level and look in their eyes and, and hear what they have to say. Uh, you think back at your own childhood and think about those those few instances, or maybe you had a father that was much more present or whatever. But those simple phrases and that time that was spent with one another makes a tremendous difference. And it's not staring at at the phones together and saying, "Here, look at this." I mean, that right. you're right. It is amazing to me the number of people that you go out and. And even in families, you know, they're not talking with one another. They're not even looking at one another. They're looking at these electronic devices, trying to relate through that. And I think it's a, I think it's a comfort that people find in that. They feel secure in their own little shell of, of looking at that uh, computer or whatever it is. But to, to, to really relate with one another, you have to be present. And I think that's one of the the unfortunate realities of today in fatherhood is that a lot of fathers are not present, whether it be mm-hmm. through divorce or whether it be through trying to serve mammon and, and building up wealth or, or 
serving entertainment. You know, so many people find that they'll spend their entire day on a golf course as a father, you know, on a Saturday because that's recreation right. to them instead of being around and just being present. And having that physical presence in your home is so important to raising that example so that your children, when they grow up, they think, you know, dad was around on the weekends. I think I need to be around as well. Leisure is something that's really transformed over the centuries. You know, it used to be that leisure was uh, something that a philosopher had in order to think deeply about life. Uh, And then leisure was something that you had to, to rest from work and to be present and now leisure has become really more about entertainment. It's and become about doing instead of being. It's a, you're right. It's about being uh, self gratified and self fulfilled rather than just being. Yeah. Uh, so I I think that um, that that's something that really in in our house we cut the cable right. We we have a, a, a an Apple TV. We have Netflix, but we don't watch TV very often. We, we cut that cable because we, we saw how much time it was taking away just from our ability to be a family. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we've done the same thing. We found that, uh, that it was just a complete distraction. And even, even with just the Apple TV or we have an antenna so that we can record shows on the TiVo thing, but you know, we'll watch movies every now and then. But even with that, I still find every now and then that people are drawn to it at times and they Mm -hmm. want to, they want to spend that time watching that and, and not really engaging their mind but just being there i'm with you i'm sitting on the couch next to you watching this uh screen yeah right but you're not you're not you know that's right you know i think that and yeah that may be time and and occasionally there you know there are obviously times when that's good when you need to just spend that quality time with one another and that may be quality time mm-hmm. that if it's something that you're watching that you can then talk about later and that you right. grow on you know if it's just meaningless entertainment well that's really probably not worth our time right do we really want to chase after those things that don't matter in that same passage in matthew he goes on to say don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear or what you'll drink he says seek first the kingdom of god and all these other things will be added and i think that we we often seek first uh, mindless entertainment. We seek first uh, in enjoyment or leisure, or we seek first anything but the kingdom of God, that eternal perspective. Yeah. Now, speaking of not watching movies, there's a movie. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a documentary on uh, punk rockers who became fathers and, and what that did to them. Now, uh, I'm not suggesting that this is a movie that anyone should go out and watch, uh, there's, a, it's still punk rockers. There's still a lot of language. It's certainly not something you should watch around the children. Uh, but they're, they're lamenting the absence of fatherhood in their lives mm. when they were children and trying to struggle and figure out how to become fathers themselves. And one of the statements they said that I love is, uh, you know, we thought we were going to change the world with our music, but maybe the way we change the world is by raising better kids. Yes. And that, how true that is. How true that is. Uh, so the the, um, the documentary is called The Other F Word. Uh, there's plenty of the first F word in it. So, you, you know, <laughs> moderate, uh, use your judgment. Uh, but some of the conclusions were very telling. Interesting. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about what are some specific things you can do to strengthen your fatherhood here on Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We're talking today with Deacon Kevin Tulapana who is assigned to Holy Family Cathedral in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We'll be right back after this break.
Thanks for sticking through the break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. And today we're talking about authentic fatherhood. Uh, In this segment, we're going to talk about creating a Catholic identity in your home. Of course, we're talking with Deacon Kevin Tulipana. Uh, He is a man of many talents. He's a deacon at Holy Family Cathedral. He is a hospitalist at Cancer Treatment Centers of America here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he is, most importantly, a father of eight. Now, you have you didn't do this on your own. Oh, of course not. Um, it's, it wouldn't be possible without my wonderful wife, Kara. Uh, we've been married 20 years in August. Congratulations. It's hard to believe, actually. And our oldest is eight, almost 18, and the youngest is three and a half months. All right. So we uh, have been having children for almost 20 years, and what a gift it has been. And it's, it's when we went about, uh, or when we had our conversion, if you will, mm-hmm. And understood that being open to life and allowing God to enter into our life and give us these irreplaceable gifts called children, it changed us. It changed who we are. And we were all of a sudden, instead of being so focused on what we were doing and who we were and how important we were as individuals, mm-hmm. we became focused on that gift of life that God gives us. And it has changed us uh, for the better, I would yeah. say. It, it definitely turns heads more than it would if we were just... Tar- target <laughs> trips are really a lot of fun. Oh, it's impressive. When you go out and people always say, what kind of vehicle do you drive? <laughs> like, well, a big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not not quite a bus, but halfway there. Yeah, halfway there. Right. That's right. That's right. Now, uh, I... I um, we've had some really interesting interactions. They're, they're almost evangelistic opportunities. Uh, and you, you know, you get the, the askance look from time to time, but people are really genuinely interested in how in the world did you pull this off? Oh, they are. They are. And then they, and they, and then they look at us and say, well, you, you seem so happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we, we have this culture that, um, you know, 1930 was the first time that any Christian group accepted contraception. Um, there was a, an encyclical written after that called Casti Canubi. Great, mm-hmm. great encyclical. If you've never read it, go read it. Uh, but marriage became about, at that point in time, uh, fulfillment of my own desires mm. rather than about the, the preservation of society. And, and uh, we've seen a lot of things uh, as the fruit of that. So one of the things that I see as the fruit of that is the vocation shortage. Oh, yeah. Y- you've, got, you've got two kids. Because that's what you want, right? That I'm replacing myself, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we're going to replace us when we die. So we have two kids, and then, but I want grandkids too. So I, I can't give them to the church. Plus, I'm living out a life that says the goal of life is to meet your own desires. Yeah. And priesthood is not necessarily something that is a great desire. It is an act of service and sacrifice. Uh, being a religious sister is not really. Uh, something that's not, Hey, that sounds like a lot of fun. I bet I'll get really fulfilled <laughs> off that. Yeah, no, it, it's a sacrifice yes. for the sake of the body of Christ. It is. Uh, and if we don't ever model that, then we won't have our children decide to choose that on their own. No, we won't. And it, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier is serving God and mammon and that we in this culture have become so much about serving mammon and being successful yeah. that you know, we don't want to uh, to present an example to our children that, you know, my goodness, you want to be a, a, a poor person who lives with a bunch of other poor people and worshiping and praying. That's what St. Francis' parents said. <laughs> they, yeah. were, they were really not very yeah, happy with I him. I know, but look where the saints come from. That's right. So, um, 
So let's talk a little bit about how we create a Catholic identity in mm-hmm. our home. Uh, the the father of Saint Therese of Lisieux, he wanted to be in religious life, but he, his Latin was bad, so he yeah. was like me, uh, didn't know enough Latin to be able to enter religious life, and so uh, he became a watchmaker and married a lace maker, but he kept a little uh, cell, a monastic cell in the attic of his house. And he let his kids know when daddy's in the cell, uh, I'm meditating and I'm praying and you can't come in unless you're going to come in and meditate Christ with me. Right. And how many of his kids became saints? Oh goodness. Now he's, uh, now both of them. Yeah. Now both of them are going to be canonized here. And so it's that dedication to, to focus on Christ and, and to live life differently than the rest of the world. You know, and it, it starts, it does start at home. I mean, obviously that that's an obvious statement, but it also starts at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it starts with, with a certain order in your home. You know, I really believe that, um, that your family life should really reflect monasticism in a way and mm-hmm. that there's a normal uh, rhythm to the day that occurs. And of course there's going to be situations where it changes but, you know, each day starts quietly and with prayer and, and it ends with prayer and, and it does in our house as well. I was, got up the other morning and my four-year-old daughter, Monica, was, had gotten up to get her breakfast and she, she got her little bread and sat down at the table and, and I looked over and she was quiet. Which is sometimes a scary thing. It is a scary thing, especially for her at times, but she was quiet and she closed her eyes and she looked, she kind of tilted her head up and she started mouthing words and this went on for you know, 30, 45 seconds or more. And then she made this haphazard sign of the cross. Right. I thought, wow, a four year old child has, has seen enough example in the house that she knows that she must give thanks giving to God before she eats and for mm-hmm. this food that's there. And it was more than just the simple bless us a Lord prayer. Right. I mean, she was truly praying and that doesn't start just on its own. Well, I'm certain it could. God can do all sorts of things in individuals. Right. But but that that cultivation of that in the family is, I think, so important to, uh, to, to building up and presenting these children an experience that they then can know who they are, mm-hmm. which is a creation made in the image and likeness of God. Well, but it, something that you, you said there is they, they might be able to pick that up on their own, but... Uh, I've seen very, very clearly that children are sponges at this age. Oh, I mean, yeah. they pick up everything. We, we do Compline at night uh, before bed. And I've got the book, the breviary, and, and my wife is reading on with me, but the kids don't have it. And my, my four-year-old at the time, she's older now, but um, I got through and I was reading the antiphons, which they change. You know, you do mm-hmm. uh, Compline, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's one week of Compline and you repeat it over and over. And by the second or third week, I would say an, uh, an antiphon, uh, begin it and Naomi would finish it. Yeah. And I'm like, I, how are you doing? I don't even know. <laughs> I have to read the thing yeah. <laughs> and they pick everything up and our faith, uh, and the way that we live morality is caught more than it's taught. It is, it is, it is. And, and not only that, it's, it's that repetitiveness of it, that, 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 creates that culture it makes it comfortable mm-hmm. you know that's that's what really as i said earlier cultivates that that faith in the family so what are some some practical things 
that you do, some some things that are part of your normal monastic day that help your kids catch mm-hmm. that and that, that help you really set the vision for your family as father. Right. Well, you know, we we are gifted with the fact that my wife, I'll say my wife, homeschools the children. Mm-hmm. I help, I guess, peripherally, but yeah. <laughs> I'm there and I support it, if you will. Right. The As I said earlier, the day does start with prayer, but one of the things that they've picked up on is that um, a while ago we began saying the Angelus at the noon hour and uh, not always at 6 a.m. because they're not all up at 6 a.m. And at 6 p.m. we're usually eating. So, but the noon hour Angelus is, is said regularly and that was initially led by myself, but, but now it's to the point that the older kids pick up on that and lead that. Mm -hmm. And so prayer is a daily necessity of our life. Um, and it's gotten to the point that the children understand the prayer and the tempo of the litur- liturgical year of the church mm-hmm. as well. And that, say, during Easter time, they knew that we sing the Regina Shelley yeah. at, at noon hour instead of the Angelus during Easter season. And it was kind of funny because I w- came home, I was in my week off, and it had been a little while, and I completely had forgotten that we were still in the Easter season and started saying right. the Angelus, and the kids were like, no, 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 Dad, it's Easter. It's Easter. Yeah. <laughs> Sing Regina Jelly. And so they yeah. started singing it. It was like, wow, oh, thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the simple things, of course. Mm-hmm. And then just and then just remembering to give thanks to God for everything that we do. We always end our day with prayer. Um, in fact, we get all eight kids still uh, together at night. When the first we have, we have waves of children that go to bed, of right, course, you know, right. you've got them from 18 to, to three and a half months, you know, but it starts around seven thirty, seven forty five, and, mm-hmm. and everyone gathers around and, and we have uh, numerous prayers that we say before bed. Um, you know, of course the, our father, the hail Mary, the St. Michael, the angel of God prayer, you know, all of these prayers are said before bed. And if we don't, mm-hmm. the kids get upset about it. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Well, and I think something else that you mentioned there that the kids are starting to take over the Angelus. I think that's something that's important for fatherhood is that fatherhood is not necessarily about doing everything. It's about modeling everything. Yes. And then allowing, it's, we're, we're not the, the tyrants of the home that set out our will and it must be followed. But we have to set a model and then enable and empower our children to take that mantle up and to walk in those things. Just as Christ did with us. Huh? Right. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't empower over us and say, you have to do it this way. You know, he, he, he gave an example mm-hmm. and then gave it to his disciples. Yeah. I'm, now, what are some other things, maybe even outside of the faith, what are some things that you do as father mm-hmm. just to, um, to let your kids know one, that they are valuable and that they're important uh, and things that really society doesn't offer them uh, in yeah. the same way that, that a father should and does oh wow you know this is probably one of those questions that'd be even better for my wife Uh, (laughs) she identifies the things that we do but you know it is important to spend that one-on-one time with your kids Mm -hmm. and especially when you have a large family so taking one of the children out and spending that time with them is important and lets them know that you know i'm here for you yeah and you alone at this moment being present exactly you're not one of the number but you are mine right and that you know, christ does that for us it says he calls us by name yes. and i like to think that that's not like you're in trouble timothy we're putting them, you're gonna <laughs> here. no calls us by name well we've been talking about authentic fatherhood with deacon kevin tulipana why don't you join that conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls twitter the handle is at outside the walls and you're listening to outside the walls with timothy putnam
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Just got a little bit of time left together today. We're going to make good use of it. Today we are talking about fatherhood, authentic fatherhood, because tomorrow is Father's Day. And so we're going to give away a book called Father of the Family by Clayton Barbeau. Uh, It's a great book on spirituality, Catholic spirituality for fathers. Uh, and was originally published in 1971, uh, but this has been edited and updated, and uh, we're looking forward to putting it in your hands. Now, it's going to be a little different this time, our giveaway. We're not going to do a question by phone. Uh, we want you to interact with us on social media, on facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. If you, if you just want to call, you can leave the message at 918-928-KPIM. Uh, but once we get it, then we're going to post the audio to, uh, to our social media uh, to share that story. And so today is not a trivia question. It's a story. I want your best dad story. Maybe it's a story that you as a dad have. Maybe it's a story you have about your dad. Uh, it can be a funny story. It can be a very touching story. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to give me that story and give it a hashtag of authentic fatherhood, authentic fatherhood. So give me that story Uh, on Twitter is going to be a little bit more difficult because you've only got 140 characters and uh, some of those are going to be taken up by the hashtag, hashtag authentic fatherhood. So maybe you'll want to stick to Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls or to give me a call. And uh, that audio, of course, will be used on social media. Uh, 918-928-KPIM. Give me your best dad story and we'll get that book out to you. Now, not a lot of time left, uh, but I want to tell you my favorite dad story. Hashtag authentic fatherhood. Deacon Kevin Tulipana just now told us how important it is to spend individual time with your kids. And that's something that my dad did. And this specific instance left a very profound impact on me. Uh, to, to the extent that it's one of the prevailing memories of my childhood. Uh, I was in school very young, uh, probably in kindergarten or first grade, probably kindergarten. And uh, my dad's on the road 200 days a year. He's always gone. Uh, still, to this day, travels quite a bit. And as a child, you know, he would leave on, uh, on Saturdays to get where he was going and then he would be there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He would get back Thursday night uh, after I was in bed, and then I would go to school on Friday. I would see him Friday after school, and then he would leave again on Saturday. And that was kind of our life. Uh, and so he he was very intentional about making sure that he was present. And even for me as a, as a kindergartner, uh, I recall the, t- the day that I was told I was going to be kidnapped. I was going to be kidnapped by my dad from school on that on that Friday. And uh, he told me what time he was going to pick me up, which that was probably a mistake because I couldn't really tell time. And so as soon as we got past 30 minutes prior to it and, you know, those old analog clocks, I was sure because that that number looked that hour hand looked closer to the the number that he said he was coming. And so my my teacher, my poor teacher, was probably just beside herself, assuring me that my dad had not forgotten me. And uh, so I'm just sitting there just on pins and needles in class, not paying attention like I ever paid attention uh, in kindergarten, Uh, but just waiting. And then he came and he got me and he took me bowling. Yes, bowling. I'm not really a bowler to this day, but, but that day... Uh, spending that hour maybe 
maybe two hours, I don't even recall, but spending that time with my dad, uh, it made a profound impact to me that I was important. I was important enough that he would take that time. And so I endeavor now as a father uh, to make sure that my kids know individually that they are important to me, that I'm not just the authoritarian uh, who enforces mom's rules. Uh, wait till your dad gets home. No, uh, that, that beyond that, they and their desires and their conversations, they're important to me. And if they come with a picture uh, that is not a picture and it looks like nothing and they say, look what I did. Well, then, you know, I, sit, I, I take the time and I sit and I say, oh, well, tell me about this. And they'll say, it's uh, it's whatever. And I'll, well, tell me about your color choices. Why, why did we choose uh, a yellow for the car? And they'll tell me why it's a yellow car. And, and to them, it's the most important thing at the moment because it's something they created. And so uh, because of that, it's the most important thing to me. And, you know, there, there's going to be plenty of time for them to improve and for me to give tips and, and correction. But, but at that moment, it's just... Uh, dad and me. And, and I think that that's so essential. I've got, I've got a friend of mine uh, down in the Dallas area. He's got six kids and he takes, you know, d- different parents do it different ways. He takes 45 minutes with his kids uh, every night and, he, you know, he'll take one a day and everybody's got their day. Uh, I've got another friend of mine who, uh, who takes his Godchildren and prays for them on a specific day, and the whole family will pray for that one specific child, whether it be a godchild or his own children, and so the whole family is then focused on that that one child. Uh, but anything that we can do that lets our children know that their lives and their hearts are important to us, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, we posted several articles on social media this last week, and some of them talked about the some of the big factors in the degradation of uh, the family. And one of those was the increasing hours in the work week, uh, something that we've got to be careful about. You know, our, our jobs can often try and demand all of us when our first priority is our family. The job is not the provider. Uh, God is the provider. And so we do what's important. We set our priorities and then we trust God in that. Another thing that the article mentioned was the loss of the family vacation is something that's really kind of deconstructed the family as we knew it. And so I want to encourage you to take a family vacation this year. And a nice cheap vacation uh, is August 7th through 9th, the Midwest Catholic Family Conference in Wichita, Kansas. It's a short drive. The, The admission for the whole family is very reasonable. And there's all kinds of things uh, available for you. Focused on the faith, uh, excellent, excellent event with things for the kids and the adults. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, But go ahead and join us on social media and continue that conversation. Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. Our Twitter handle is at Outside the Walls. And you can join us even on uh, our website, OutsideTheWalls.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 